feisty, fearless, and fair, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And tonight on the Rita Cosby Show, boy, is it an action-packed night. We're just coming in, by the way, just a little bit ago on the Washington, D.C. front uh, that Majority Leader Steve Scalise has dropped out of the House Speaker race after he had a big session with the GOP conference, saying, quote, I just shared with my colleagues that I'm withdrawing my name as a candidate for Speaker of the House. So now they go back to the drawing board. Could it be Jim Jordan? Could it be the previous Speaker, Kevin McCarthy? Could it be somebody else? Uh, but clearly, Steve Scalise did not have the votes in private, and they did not want to take the vote public, and they did not have a consensus candidate. Again, big word coming out. Steve Scalise, who many people thought would be the next Speaker of the House of Representatives, saying that he is dropping out after meeting with the GOP conference. They did not have the votes. And tonight there is, it looks like, a bit away till we will know who is the next Speaker of the House. Meantime, everybody, so much news coming out of Israel, and we are getting word that as many as 27 Americans may have been killed. That is what the State Department believes at minimum. They are also saying that there are 14 Americans that are still missing, and they believe many of them are hostages held in Gaza. There is so much news tonight. Where do you think everything is headed? Because it certainly looks like the Israeli military is preparing for a massive ground invasion. The Prime Minister of Israel coming out a little bit ago saying this is a fight for civilization. This is good versus evil. This is not just Israel against Hamas. This is a fight for all the freedom-loving people of the world. And boy, is it a fight. Tonight, there are also protests all over the country, including in New York. And tomorrow, in a chilling message coming from a former Hamas leader who is still known as a key figure in that terrorist organization, he has said that he is calling all Islamists tomorrow to come and play a role in a global day of jihad calling for them to express their anger to the world. That is an enormous concern, and that means that the NYPD and police organizations around the country are beefing up security because there already have been protests, as we have seen in many cities, many college campuses, and many other places. But now with this very strong word coming from a Hamas leader saying there should be, quote, a day of anger tomorrow, There should be a global jihad tomorrow. Uh, That is, of course, that rhetoric, deep concern. And security companies and police departments across the country are taking extra measures. We know in New York they are asking synagogues to be closed tomorrow. 
Uh, they are saying publicly not to worry. The NYPD has it. By the way, the NYPD certainly, I think, is the best police force in the world. Uh, but even the mayor of New York came out in recent days and said he worries about a lone wolf attack. We have a wide open southern border. There are so many issues going on. How concerned are you? And I'll just tell you, this does not sound good. It is a very difficult time in the world. We're seeing tensions rising high. We've seen them even on college campuses. We're seeing so many issues happening. And when you hear that kind of rhetoric from someone filled with hate and hate for Israel, it is of deep concern, I think, to America and freedom-loving countries and cities across this country and across the globe. 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. We also have a blockbuster show, everybody, too, because in about 20 minutes or so from now, the great Bill O'Reilly is going to join us uh, talking about the way that the media has been playing the war on Israel and downplaying calling Hamas terrorists. What are they afraid of? What are they, uh, uh, nice guys with guns? I mean, this is just crazy. Some of the rhetoric we have heard is just downright unconscionable. And I'm happy that MSNBC in particular, uh, they have actually dropped in the ratings because every night they put up the Palestinian deaths, the Hamas deaths, and they also put up uh, the Israeli deaths. It's like uh, putting them on equal par. And then also there has been criticism about the fact that Israel has shut off electricity, uh, Israel tonight, saying that they will put electricity and water and all that other stuff back on if they hand over the 150-plus hostages that Hamas is holding. And then there are groups like the U.N. and the E.U. criticizing Israel for turning off electricity. Do you know what they are doing to the Israeli children? It is abominable. Some of these pictures and images and stories that we have heard from people who have seen the pictures, seen the video, have been to the sites firsthand of these Israeli settlements. It shocks the consciousness. They are beheading kids. They are shooting kids in the head. They're raping women. They're killing people. And the EU, all they could say is, oh, you know what? It's not nice to turn the electricity off. Uh, I mean, this is nuts. We are really headed, I think, for tough stuff. And again, the world bracing for what could be a very troubling day tomorrow. And also, we have heard a lot of rhetoric. And as I mentioned, even some of them coming from some college campuses and other places across the country. Take a listen to this pro-Palestinian rally. This was at UNC Chapel Hill. And listen to the crowd. This was just a few hours ago. Shouting Nazi at a man. Uh, does that sound like a peaceful protest? That sounds like vitriol and just hateful speech and insightful speech at a time now where the Mideast is a tinderbox. And also take a listen to this woman at an anti-Israel rally in Philly. We want to paint it here in America and in the West that what happened yesterday with terrorism, what happened yesterday was freedom fighters fighting for freedom. And 
are freedom fighters for freedom and that not everybody who died in Israel recently was innocent. Uh, I would think like a one month old baby is quite innocent. I would think that families who are slaughtered in their homes while they were asleep, I would call that innocent. I don't know what you call. I call it revolting and just atrocious, uh, uh, shocking to the conscious. There were people who saw the images firsthand, reporters and others who've come out crying. They said they have never seen anything like this before. These are war-hardened journalists. They said they have never seen anything as horrible as what the Hamas people did, the terrorists did to these Israeli civilians. That's not war. That's, that's monsters. That is animals. And listen to this man again. This is at an anti-Israeli rally in Philly as well. Listen to this guy. I think that we should all give an applaud right now to Hamas for a job well done. When they woke up in the morning and they found and they found the field hands in the house with a knife ready to cut their f***ing throats. I was late to the news, but when I heard it, I smiled. I don't want to hear that bull. 250 250 innocent Israelis a day. Again, I swear, I salute Hamas. A job well done. I And by the way, there was a condemnation coming from Congress instituted and pushed by Republican members saying, let's condemn some of this anti-Semitic rhetoric that's in schools and other places that we've seen. And guess what? None of the Democrats signed on to it. It's not a trick question. You think that that's a controversial thing to sign on to something like that? No Democrats signed on to it. What does that say to you? That is shocking, absolutely shocking. This is not a Republican-Democratic issue. This is a human issue. This, to me, is stunning, absolutely stunning. 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Teddy, line two. Uh, Teddy, what do you think needs to happen now? Rita, I've, always, I've had disagreements with you in the past. But I agree with you one million percent these past number of days. I've been trying to get through. And, you, you know, I just... Get to, Teddy, get to the point. I get... Listening to this, these people, that's got... And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Just a minute. Okay. Teddy, go ahead, please. Yes. Listening to these speakers with their despicable talk and hatred and anti-Semitism. Rita, it's the other day someone said to you, it's not Israel that they're against. It's, and I told this to people in the street, 
against Rita, the Jew. I want everyone on the radio to listen to that. It's the Jew that they hate. And Rita, there is no type of reasoning with people like this. And that's why I want Netanyahu, and it's unfortunate that innocent people in, in Gaza will be hurt and killed. But at least Israel warns them to leave the buildings, but Hamas uses them as shields. They use them to be a martyr, to be felt sorry throughout the world, by the world. And, and that's unfortunate, but this time Netanyahu has to go in there just like we went in with ISIS and took care of business. Netanyahu has to take care of business. And By the way, Teddy, I 1,000% agree with you. He has to go in, and he has to take out Hamas. Uh, he has to treat it. He's been, he said today he equated it, Hamas to ISIS. And we've had great success after literally fighting with force and leveling ISIS. We have to do the same thing with Hamas, because I agree with you, Teddy. Uh, I feel as strongly as you do about this. It is, first of all, it's despicable. Anybody who would make a comment about the Jewish people like this. Uh, and I'm talking about even the rhetoric we've heard. And then obviously times 10,000, what Hamas has done is disgusting. They are animals. They're not even humans. And there is no gray. I agree. When you have fanatics that are willing to slaughter women and children while they're sleeping, they got to be wiped off the face of this earth. You got to go in and you got to level everything that's associated with Hamas. And you're right. I feel bad because they are putting, you know, Palestinians in there. However, the Palestinians voted them in. Uh, so that's not good either. But this is a really troubling time. And I do feel bad, you know, for the Palestinian people right now who are in difficult situations. Uh, but many of them also are protecting Hamas. Hamas is also using them. They're also, I bet you, hiding many of these American and other hostages in the tunnels, which is very hard to get to. So it's going to be really tough warfare. And that's why first Israel is hitting them from the skies. And then they got to probably go in and do a ground offensive to try to save as many hostages as they can and try to take out Hamas. Uh, but I agree with you. There can be no gray and there shouldn't be any tolerance for anybody who says anything despicable about a Jewish individual in the world never again never again 1-800-848-9222 we'll continue with your calls after the break everybody with crime running rampant in new york you need to keep yourself and your family safe obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time consuming that's where myfirstpistol.com comes in they'll help you secure your concealed carry license if you're looking for a pistol premise rifle or shotgun license call 347-559-7052 347-559-7052 you must have a valid firearm license issued by the nypd to purchase possess or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYC. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And coming up on the Rita Cosby Show, the great Bill O'Reilly, who has another blockbuster book. He's going to be talking about that, but he's also going to be talking about the media coverage of the war on Israel and where we go from here again 
we have a Hamas leader calling for a global day of jihad. Today was a day of resistance on many college campuses across the country. Uh, shocking words coming from many of them. And also very tepid response from our administration. Um, coming up also later on in the show, we're going to be talking to historian Rick Marshall, because this is a time for leadership. This is a time for a firm hand. Uh, this is a time for tough stuff. Uh, that's the only thing that uh, terrorists understand is toughness and clarity. And I think we need a lot more of it now because this president has been, I think, asleep at the wheel on this. He's been very late. He still and his other, you know, folks at the administration, they don't want to call out Iran. They seem to be tiptoeing over everything. We just are starting charter flights starting tomorrow. Where have we been? 80 other countries have been pulling people out. I mean, my goodness, we are so late to the game. We're America. We should be leading. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Mike in South Carolina. Line four, Mike, your thoughts. Hey, Rita. Um, you know what? It, this is uh, this is getting so uh, crazy out of control. It's like throwing gasoline on an inferno. Uh, you know, now they want a global day of jihad and animals. They're devils what they're doing. I can't even I can't even, you know, say that. Uh, decapitation of kids, and it's so, you know, outrageous. The terrorists all over the world, now it's a global thing, you know, and jihad, it's, uh, you got to get urban warfare, the boots on the ground after the air attacks, and wipe them off the face of the earth. Wipe them off the face of the earth. I hear you. By the way, Mike, I I hear you big time, because you're right. I don't think there's any gray with these kind of people. Uh, 1,000%, my friend. Let's go to Tony and Clifton. Uh, you just heard what Mike said. Uh, what do you think needs to be done? Hi, Rita Cosby. I think we need moral clarity, as everyone has been telling us. We need to stand on ground. Tony, we're losing you. Tony, we're losing you again. You got to get a better phone. You called last night, and it wasn't good either. You got to oh, call. No. Yeah, Tony, I hear you there real quick. Okay, so we need moral clarity, we need to stand our ground, and we need to stand against what's going on. And Rita, this is all brought on by the Biden administration. Yep, you know what? I think so, too. Their grayness, their appeasing of Iran. Everybody stay with us. Bill O'Reilly after the break. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents... And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, where we get to honor our great law enforcement and their families, a powerful story coming from Allegheny County, Pennsylvania, where a police officer saves the life of a man at Pittsburgh International Airport. Officer Mark Przynitsky, sounds like a nice Polish name, jumped into action at the United Airlines ticketing counter when a 43-year-old man suddenly collapsed on the floor. His family said that he was sweaty, that he was dizzy before he collapsed. And there was a call for cardiac arrest that came to the officer through his walkie-talkie. He immediately rushed over to the counter in about 30 seconds, and suddenly a defibrillator was grabbed from the wall. Uh, He administered it. He shocked the man. Then he did another round of that and also CPR. 
And during that second round, the man suddenly regained consciousness. He talked to the officer and told him his name and where he was headed. The officer was very relieved, quickly got the EMTs involved and took the man to the hospital. And he is said to be doing okay. But it is just a great example of how important our law enforcement is being there at the right place at the right time. And I love always doing our great Back the Blue segment every night here on The Rita Cosby Show. Well, it is tough stuff what's going on overseas. Again, the latest count of Americans that have been killed by Hamas, 27 and 14 Americans missing, many of them likely hostages of the terrorist. And joining us now to talk about all of this and also his powerful new book. Uh, This is, by the way, the 13th in his series. Uh, He has had 19 million copies in print overall. He's one of the biggest best-selling authors. I think he's the biggest best-selling author ever. Uh, The great Bill O'Reilly, who hosts Common Sense with Bill O'Reilly, 9 to 10 p.m., Every weeknight on WABC Radio, he also joins, of course, sit-in friends, and he joins another show that I'm very close to that I love called Cats and Cosby. And uh, the great Bill O'Reilly joins us now here on the Rita Cosby Show. Bill, thanks so much for being with us. Sure, Rita. Thanks for having me in. I think we're a dynamite team at night on WABC. And uh, it's a pleasure to be on your program. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Bill. It's always such an honor to have the show after your show, which is great. I listen to it every night, Bill. And uh, before we get to killing the witches, um, there's a lot of killing, as you know, that's going on in the Mideast right now. And I want to get your take on what's happening overseas and also what's happening with our media coverage of it. Sure. Uh, I come at it from a different uh, perspective than most uh, commentators in America. When this happened, I was in England. And um, English society is heavily sympathetic to the Palestinian cause. But immediately, there weren't, there wasn't any violence or anything like that. In London, there were demonstrations in Trafalgar Square, which you would expect. Um, in America, it's much more emotional, and that's because of 9-11. I was not surprised that this happened. I wasn't anticipating it. I have to be honest. I didn't think it was going to happen, but I wasn't surprised when it didn't because the Saudis and the Israelis are very close to signing an agreement, which would have helped both uh, countries economically. And the jihadists don't want that, particularly Iran. Iran's biggest enemy in the Middle East is Saudi Arabia, beside Israel. So Iran had to sabotage this deal between Israel and Saudi Arabia. And this was the easiest way to do it, to promote an uprising, a terror attack by Hamas, which Iran controls 100 percent, and divert attention away. And it worked. The Saudis have now pulled back. There's no negotiations going on. I don't know what will happen to that agreement, but it'll be down the road and much harder to execute than it would have been had this not happened. Now, this is called geopolitics. And when I put on the television and watch these commentators, with all due respect, most of them don't know what they're talking about, Rita. They have no idea about the history and what is really happening in this world. Now, I wrote Killing the SS, 
If you want to know why Israel is there and what it's up against, you read Killing the SS. I also wrote Killing the Killers about how the Obama and Trump administrations and Bush the Younger dealt with the jihad very specifically. This is what the United States did to downgrade the threat. And it was successful. We had not been attacked here in 22 years. All right. The intel services for the United States are good. But everybody was caught by surprise with this Hamas thing. That's disturbing. So anyway, I'm going to pause up now. I know you have some questions, but my point of view on these things is is a lot different than the emotional coverage you hear on radio and television all day long. Do you believe, Bill, that also when you see, have, I don't know if you saw Canadian broadcasting, they put out apparently the senior, the higher ups, they're saying, don't use the word terrorist. That's not really the right word to use to describe Hamas. Um, there seems to be a, a struggle with some people in the media. Uh, New York Times apparently had the word terrorist and they replaced it for gunman. Uh, I mean, they're almost trying to be politically correct. Well, it's not almost. I mean, look, these people, and I'm generalizing now, are tied into the progressive movement, Rita. Both you and I know that one of the basic tenets of the progressive movement in America is that Israel is a fascist country and persecutes the Palestinians. That has been in stone since 1948. It has never changed. The Canadian government is progressive. The New York Times is progressive. NBC News was so outrageous that two of the largest Jewish groups in the country had to go to Philadelphia to talk to the director of Comcast, which owns NBC, to tell him to knock it off on MSNBC, which Brian Roberts did under threat from the Jewish groups. They stopped. But MSNBC is 100% progressive. And that's what people, they don't understand. They don't link it in to the basic philosophy in America that the progressive left believes Israel is a fascist country. It's all Israel's fault. And they have always believed it. And this, of course, enables the terror groups to operate a little more freely. Yeah, no question. By the way, a thousand percent in some of the rhetoric we've heard from college campuses. It has been astounding. Uh, Bill, you wrote this incredible new book. It just came out. It's called Killing the Witches. Um, and by the way, are you the biggest bestseller uh, best-selling author out there? Yes, I'm the the um, Killing series is the best-selling nonfiction book series of all time on planet Earth. Bravo, bravo, bravo! I knew it was. I, I wanted to make sure, Bill, because yeah, I know it's I always a home believe. run. <laughs> I mean, the nuns and when I was in grammar school said, "O'Reilly, uh, are you ever going to read a book?" <laughs> <laughs> and now. <laughs> The best-selling author on the planet, nonfiction. Well, the nuns would be proud. (laughs) The the Killing the Witches, what what that book is going to open at number two on the New York Times list on Sunday. Congrats. The eight Trump book beat it. 
And then the Hey Trump book fell off 70% after the first week. Look, I don't know why people want to pay $25 to read more, but you hate Trump, you hate Trump. You got to write $25 to hate him more? I don't get it. Right. By the way, your book is worth it because I learned so much in your book. I love your books. You know that, Bill. Not only are we friends, but I just, I love them. I know how busy you are being on the radio 24 hours a day. 25. They're trying to find another hour, Bill. (laughs) But anyway, how killing the witches pertains to what we're dealing with in the world today is evil. So I write about evil in a lot of my books. And Hamas is evil. And it's not the Palestinian people that are evil. They're not. They're just caught under the thumb of powerful forces like Iran and Hamas. They're evil. And what happened in Salem in 1692 was evil. They executed 20 human beings for nothing based on testimony of nine-year-old girls who were hysterical. And the system allowed it. And that's why we don't have any, by the way, any religion in our constitution because of Salem witch trials. And then I, the reason I chose to write on this subject, the witches of Salem, is because the witch hunt is back. Post cancel culture is a witch hunt. And we're not hanging people, but we're destroying their lives. And I have regular folks in the book, you know, we tell you about how their lives were destroyed by no due process. Accusation is conviction. This is exactly what happened in Salem. We're right back there. So the evil that men do is never going to go away. It's been here since Cain and Abel. And when people analyze what's happening in Israel and, and the threat that these terrorists pose to the Jewish people, you've got to accept the fact that this is evil. So if you want to understand it, You read Killing the Witches and then Killing the Killers and the stuff that I put out there, because I'm basing everything on what actually happened. I don't have to make anything up. I mean, and then we get into the modern day. Witches are basically people who commune with the devil, who have an association with the devil. And they were burned to death in Europe, Joan of Arc being the poster girl for that. In America, they were not burned. They were hanged because we were under the thumb of Britain, and Britain didn't permit burnings. Anyway, the evil that came out of all of this is still with us today. And then we go into the Exorcist movie at the end of Killing the Witches, because that dealt with the devil, demonic possession. Did you know that nine people associated with the filming of The Exorcist died? Wow. During production? Nine. And and the guy who directed it, William Friedkin, who passed away last month, was a pagan. And he witnessed all this. And after the movie was shot, he said, I have to reevaluate every part of my spiritual life based upon what I actually saw with my own two eyes. So there is evil in the world. Now you can assign it to the devil. You can assign it to whatever you want to assign it to, but it is active and we are seeing it right this minute in 
Gaza. Boy, is it applicable. As you're saying, Bill, I'm like the moment as you're talking about in history, as we are seeing the pure evil and going back to, as you talked about, I mean, suddenly what they rounded up, uh, 200 people, 20 were executed. Um, You're right. uh, Just based on, you know, thin testimony from somebody. What was the most surprising part when you were putting uh, killing the witches together? What was the most surprising part for you? I always love asking you that, Bill. Benjamin Franklin. I did not know this. So the book opens with a witch burning in Scotland, which uh, was not under British authority at the time, although the king uh, was back and forth. And then it goes to the Mayflower. And Rita, you and I would not have wanted to be on the Mayflower. Everybody goes, oh, Pilgrim's Mayflower passed the stuffing. No, this was a harrowing harrowing voyage from Plymouth, England to Massachusetts. And we put you right on the boat. And then when the Puritans got here, they were at each other's throats and they were, because it was so punitive. The way they set up their colony, it wasn't, they couldn't do anything. Couldn't dance, couldn't sing, can't tell jokes. You know, got to be in church for eight hours. It was crazy. So these people moved to Salem. Okay. Salem witch trials get underway. The top witch hunter is a man named Cotton Mather, whose father, Increase Mather, was also a witch hunter, and the first president of Harvard, which may be why Harvard's doing what it's doing today. Wow. (laughs) By the chief witch hunter, Increase Mather. Anyway, Benjamin Franklin is a genius kid in Boston, and he gets on because the Boston papers are covering all this horror. And this was... After it happened, and he visits Cotton Mather, Benjamin Franklin. He goes to his house in Boston. They have a long conversation, which we have right in the book. Franklin was so unsettled by this that for the rest of his life, he did not want anything to do with organized religion. And when it came time to forge the Constitution, Franklin said no we're not going to have any kind of religion in it because Patrick Henry, Roger Sherman, and a bunch of the other founders wanted America to be designated a Christian nation in writing in the Constitution. Franklin said no. Jefferson and Madison were on his side. They won. But it was a brawl. I didn't know any of that. Yeah, I so didn't I either. I linked it right in. Nobody knows it. Right. Nobody knows it. That, by the way, I love in your books, you always discover these amazing tidbits that are so important, but they're not out there. It's like being an archaeologist. Yeah. Our research for the killing books, and this is number 13, is so extensive that Martin Dugard and I discover stuff all the time that nobody knows. But the basic premise that I want all WABC listeners tonight to understand is this. You've got to accept that evil is active in this world and in this country. You cannot look away from it. You have to confront it and destroy it if you can. If you don't, it's going to come for you. And most people, they don't want to even think about it. But it's there and it's active every single day of our lives. 
Yeah, absolutely. And boy, is it what a profound statement given everything that's going on right now. Uh, Bill, you have, I know, another blockbuster. Obviously, it's another big bestseller. And you are the biggest best-selling nonfiction author ever. The nuns would be very proud, Bill. And uh, this I is hope so. <laughs> this is I'm sure they are, Bill. You're great. And the book everybody is killing the witches uh, from the great Bill O'Reilly. Make sure you check it out. It is incredible. And boy, is it applicable to what we are seeing right now going on in the Mideast. Uh, at such an uncertain time in the world. But to see this and to be able to apply it to today, uh, whether it's with Trump and whether it's with Israel, I mean, there's so many layers to this, Bill. And learning as I did, just what you just shared there with Ben Franklin and the Harvard and all that, wow, 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 you always have so many great surprises. I love this book, and I tell everybody to get it. It's called Killing the Witches, everybody. Bill, thank you. you got to come back on again soon. We always love having you on. Anytime, Rita. Thanks for having me in. Thank you so much, my friend. I appreciate it. The great Bill O'Reilly. And we'll take your calls, everybody. When we come back, you heard Bill say we have to accept evil is in the world. And obviously studying it from the Salem witch trial to modern times. uh, Boy, is that uh, fitting for today. The Rita Cosby Show. Wow, what a powerful conversation with the great Bill O'Reilly. Again, his book is Killing the Witches, the Horror of Salem, Massachusetts, talking about evil in the world back then during the Salem witch trials and evil in the world right now with Hamas and how it must be obliterated. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Dom. Line two in Minnesota, Dom. Uh, wow, very powerful conversation. Rita, America really does have witches in the form of college professors. That's my takeaway from your conversation with Bill O'Reilly. Uh, you know, somebody once said, I guess, America will be destroyed from within. But now I'm thinking it will be by these professors that are exercising their First Amendment rights at the cost of brainwashing innocent students and turning them against this great country. Here's a thought from me. This is my personal opinion. What if America suddenly sprouted some freedom fighters who kidnapped these professors and demanded a ransom for their return, except that the ransom is that these professors must agree to go to Gaza, prove their passion by fighting for their favorite cause alongside Hamas and Hezbollah, and save Palestine from the evil Israeli regime. By the way, Don, I think they'd go to I think they'd go to the bathroom in their pants. <laughs> they'd be like, "Oh no." You know, uh, uh, you know, hiding behind and uh, you know, but you bring up a very serious point, Dom, and the point that these professors do need to teach good lessons. It's an important message, you know, your family, your teachers, people in your lives. Young people need good mentors. And there should be adults saying this rhetoric that some of these students especially are also putting out there. They they need to have administrators saying this is unacceptable, not saying, hey, good job. Uh, very good point, Dom, because this rhetoric is just so destructive, as Bill O'Reilly so eloquently described. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. 
This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Tonight on the Rita Cosby Show, more details are coming in about efforts by the NYPD and other police units across this country beefing up patrols as Jewish schools and other Jewish centers are worried about a Hamas leader's call and plead for a day of anger and a day of jihad tomorrow. We are talking hours away Friday the 13th. Now, the NYPD is saying that they have no specific or credible threats to the city, that they're doing it, quote, out of an abundance of caution. But clearly, many religious centers are on edge. They're very worried, understandably. Some parents going to uh, bringing their kids to Jewish school saying they're going to keep their kids home from school tomorrow. There are also reports that a number of synagogues are not opening tomorrow out of an abundance of caution. Of course, they just want to be safe and just want to take extra steps. But it comes as things are absolutely heightened all over the world with this former Hamas leader calling for this day of jihad again, coming at a time where tensions are riding high. And we're now getting also details that 27 Americans have been killed, 14 are missing and may be hostage of the Hamas terrorists. Also, uh, more than 1,300 Israelis have died so far in the fight. And tonight, there are so many questions. Why is it taking our American leadership so long to get Just the regular American citizens that are there out of Israel. There's a lot of commercial flights that have been coming in. And there's also individual citizens that are going in. There's a former member of Congress. There's also a current member of Congress. There are these Green Beret groups that are going in. And they seem to be very quickly getting Americans out. And yet... Everyone's wondering, why is it taking so long for the Biden administration to come to the aid of American citizens? It's been a number of days now since those attacks on Israel. They know what's going on. They know how dangerous it is for Americans there. There's already a number of Americans that are hostages. Why is President Biden once again late on the draw? He seems awfully late in terms of bringing Americans out to safety. They're starting charter planes, but how many days late is that? After so many others took the initiative. And Americans there are desperate to get out. They're pleading, saying, please, please help us get out. So why are they not coming to their aid? It feels like Afghanistan all over again, where this administration is leaving Americans and American allies high and dry. And also, why is this administration so scared to say the word Iran? They seem so tepid to even go anywhere near connecting Iran with these horrible Hamas attacks. Iran is the biggest funder of Hamas. They're the biggest funder of Hezbollah. 
We know that they have always played a role in masterminding major attacks by both of these organizations, financing. And yet what? uh, They suddenly had nothing to do with this. There are so many reports tonight that Hamas leadership was in touch with Iranian officials. There's so much talk of, of course, the administration about that $6 billion that they were unfreezing and reports that they're planning on kind of putting it on pause. But they seem to say, well, there's no correlation with us saying we're going to unfreeze $6 billion. There's no correlation with us trying to uh, play footsie with the Iranians. This is ridiculous. We cannot appease these individuals. You can't appease terrorists. And this administration has been way too soft, has been way too late, not just in going after the terrorists and being tough verbally and behind the scenes and with actions to back it up. But they have also been so late to the draw in protecting Americans as well. And we are now seeing the world on fire and the Biden administration and their appeasement policies and their delayed policies, I think, have a lot to do with it. What are your thoughts, everybody? It's 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. By the way, in about 25 minutes or so from now, we're going to talk to the great historian Rick Marshall, who has a book about one of the greatest Americans ever, Theodore Roosevelt, our 26th American president. And we're going to ask about how he handled the bad guys back then and how he was able to squash terrorists in their tracks with his actions, with his words. What are some of the lessons that maybe this president and future presidents can learn from one of the greatest Americans? That's going to be coming up in about 20 minutes or so from now. Meantime, Congressman Corey Mills of Florida, who is a former military guy, said, you know what, I just can't wait. He knew that there were so many citizens, so many people from Florida and elsewhere that were stuck there in Israel. Can you imagine what that's like right now? Uh, There's still Hamas opening fire within Israel. There are also obviously Israel now pounding Gaza. So talk about being caught in the crossfire. They want to get out and they can't wait for the Biden administration and their delayed response. So Corey Mills took matters into his own hands. Bravo to him. He went in and he got dozens of Americans out and take a listen as to why he did it. Well, I haven't heard too much on the actual uh, operation itself, but I do know that the minute that you start seeing a potential counteroffensive or you start seeing General Secretary Hassan Nasrallah from Hezbollah kick in or you see uh, other proxy militia groups that are headed up by people like Haidi al-Amri or Qais Ghazali out of Iraq and Syria, uh, that could definitely put a damper on things, especially if they start taking any type of indirect fire uh, onto that runway, which would potentially, you know, cause the aircraft to be able to either one, uh, do an evasive maneuver or two, cancel the uh, flight path in its entirety. So uh, I hope that they can get in. I hope we can get as many Americans out as possible. And I hope that we don't see a repeat of what happened in 2021 in Afghanistan, where Americans were left behind and abandoned by this administration. He said he could no longer wait. The first responsibility of an American administration is to get Americans to safety. This administration has had a wide open southern border, which is why I worry about this day of jihad happening. Uh, So many American cities are so vulnerable. We have no idea who's crossed into this country. We have so many folks who are on the terror watch list that have come into this country. We have 1.5 million gotaways just in the last fiscal year. Uh, This is a cauldron of 
danger. This is a cauldron of disaster. Uh, This formula right now with what's going on in the Middle East, this is scary as heck. And all this administration can do is say, well, you know what? We might uh, hold that money. We're not sure. We're not really sure if, if Iran had anything to do with it. Are you kidding me? Well, here is Congressman Corey Mills uh, saying why he had to step in and get Americans out. Take a listen to what he had to say. So myself, I went in and uh, was, was very thankful to be able to get uh, for the second time, by the way, I'll just add helping the Biden administration who has failed to do their job. The first time I did it was in 2021 when I conducted the very first successful overland rescue of Americans. But here it is the second time doing the Biden administration's work because they have no plan. They have no strategy uh, to get these Americans out who are trapped in these church groups that have been left behind. You know, I just want to point out one thing. You know, the Biden administration continues to want to do these lids. But I think it's about time that the American people put a lid on the disastrous administration that continues to fail in their plan and strategy to be able to you know, get Americans out or to uh, take into account the foreign policy phobe uh, that they actually create that actually leads to these types of incidents. And he said he could not wait any longer. This has been a disaster. And it does feel like Afghanistan all over again. Meantime, the stories that we're getting out of Israel are just horrific. Journalists and others have gone and seen the scenes where babies have been executed. There have been babies, dozens of them, with bullet holes, beheaded, women raped. Some of these scenes are just so horrific and so unimaginable. These people are monsters. These are monsters. And you're going to say, well, let's just wait a few days till we send, you know, a charter plane in, and we'll just kind of try to figure it out. Anthony Blinken is over there right now, our Secretary of State. He's got a C-130. Why doesn't he fill that up with Americans and take them out? That would be the smartest thing to do. He's got a whole big plane. I don't think he needs the whole plane. He should fill it with Americans and give them a free ticket out of there. What is this administration doing at a time where this is do or die? We heard from Netanyahu today. He said this is a fight for civilization. This is not just a time to sit there and say, well, at some point we'll get them out. Have you seen the images? And you're hearing that they're planning for a day of jihad? Hezbollah? Looks like they're amassing on the north. So Israel may get squeezed from two different directions. I mean, give me a break. You have got to be kidding me. This is horrible. Take a listen to this woman. Her name is Oret Meyer. And her son, she says, was taken by Hamas. It is gut-wrenching. She does not know where he is tonight if he's alive. My son uh, calls me quarter to eight in the morning. And he says to me, Mom, the party uh, is over, bumps all over, uh, I'm hiding, I'll be in contact with you, I want to, I, I'll call you every half an hour, I love you, I love you. And since I don't have any contact with him. It is just gut-wrenching to hear These family members, desperate, trying to get any word. And our administration's like, well, you know, uh, anybody trying to get involved in the Israel war, don't. That's all we keep hearing. Don't. Mother, may I? Don't. As if that is going to have any impact on these animals. 
these people who are terrorists, who have no concept of life or death. Here is another father who says he's trying to figure out where his son is tonight. Take a listen. And the basic story that we know is at about 9 a.m. on Saturday, under heavy grenade and gunfire, Hirsch was one of a handful of people taken out by gun, under, under gunpoint from this bomb shelter. His left arm was uh, blown off by a grenade or gunfire, we don't know. He fashioned for himself, witnesses tell us, some sort of a tourniquet, and he was put on a pickup truck and driven off at 9 a.m. and has not been seen since. And listen to this father who said when he found that his daughter had been killed, he said it was a blessing. And listen to say why he why he explains this. What he says is, had his daughter been taken captive by Hamas, he knows she would have been tortured. And he said he is thankful she is dead. Imagine that. Imagine saying that about your own child. This is probably the most gut-wrenching thing I have heard. They just said, we found Emily. She's dead. And I went, yes! I went, yes! And smiled. Because that is the best news of the possibilities that I knew. That was the best possibility that I was hoping for. She was either dead or in Gaza. And if you know anything about what they do to people in Gaza, that is worse than death. That is worse than death. The way they treat you, they'd have no food, they'd have no water. She'd be in a dark room filled with Christ knows how many people and terrified every minute, hour, day and possible years to come. So death was a blessing, an absolute blessing. Can you imagine saying that about your own daughter, saying, thank goodness she's dead, that she's not being tortured by terrorists? And we have people on campuses in America, and we have people that are protesting in Times Square, in front of the U.N., in places saying death to the Jews tonight. I mean, this is just, it is unconscionable, the rhetoric we're hearing and the heartbreak that we're hearing from families that are so worried that their child maybe is being tortured right now by a Hamas terrorist, and we have no idea where they are. We're going to take your calls when we come back. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Talking about, of course, the difficult times that lay ahead in Israel and the Middle East in general, the world. President uh, Biden still saying 
not confirming that apparently, according to reports, U.S. and Qatar have agreed to freeze the $6 billion. Uh, the White House seems to even be afraid to mutter the word Iran uh, because that money, of course, was in the pay for play with hostages. Uh, also, let's be real. Money is fungible. So even if they don't get the money, the $6 billion there, guess what? They'll find money elsewhere. And they were clearly expecting it. They clearly saw weakness in this president. And I contend that was part of the reason that Hamas decided to strike now and Iran as a major player behind all of this. And our president still is afraid to mutter the word Iran. Uh, things are certainly heightening also, by the way, as we're speaking, as we're heading into the sixth day of the Israel-Hamas war. Uh, There is now word tonight that it looks like a ground invasion is imminent. Uh, Israel is telling the United Nations to evacuate the northern Gaza Strip and do so within the next 24 hours. Uh, Israel, unlike Hamas, says citizens get out. Uh, They've already said that to the Palestinians, get out, uh, evacuate. We're going to level the place because it is the home of Hamas and the infrastructure of Hamas. We're going in. They've already cut off water and electricity. They know that it's going to be a bloody fight, hand-to-hand combat. Uh, Obviously, lots of artillery, lots of tanks, but tanks amassing right there on the Gaza border. And it looks like, again, the big news tonight, Israel telling the United Nations to immediately evacuate the northern Gaza Strip and to do so within the next 24 hours, which could signal that right after that, uh, there could be Israeli tanks and Israeli soldiers, hundreds of thousands of them, entering into Gaza to take out Hamas once and for all. Also to go into the tunnels, because that is where they believe that Hamas hides much of their artillery, also likely is hiding the 150-plus hostages that they have, including many Americans. This is going to be a bloody, brutal phase. And we've already heard horrific images coming out of there, and it may get a lot worse. Uh, Let's go real quick to Pete, line four. Pete, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. You know, tomorrow I advise everyone to be cautious and, uh, you know, put your cars up with gas and stuff because... In Staten Island, Fridays and nightmares anywhere, like after from 2 to 6, uh, with a lot of traffic. But, but be uh, careful, is your point. Is that your point, be Pete? Be careful. Yes, be careful. And if nothing happens, nothing happens. But better to be prepared. You know, I don't want to frighten anybody out there, but I got my car filled up. My daughter's got a car filled up. Yeah, be safe. Better be safe than sorry. Uh, It's scary when you hear these fanatics calling for a day of jihad. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, which I love doing every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, where we get to honor our great military and their families. A powerful story coming from Marshall County, Kentucky, where World War II veteran Thomas Sprout Davis, 99 years young, 
knew something was unusual when he went out for lunch with family and friends and he suddenly ended up at an old courthouse. And when he walked into a room filled with 50 people clapping for him, he was totally surprised. The 99-year-old veteran was honored at a special meeting and awarded a Kentucky Colonel Award, which is the highest award that can be bestowed by the governor of Kentucky. A World War II veteran, he was celebrated for his service in the Navy, where he sailed, get this, more than 100,000 miles in the Pacific Theater, eventually bringing victory to Allied forces in the Second World War. Now, the manager of a fitness center in Benton, Kentucky, her name is Kim Robinson, said Davis's energy and commitment to health is contagious. Get this. She said, thank you for your service to our country, but thank you for being an inspiration to everyone. She said, you're 99 and probably one of the most faithful gym goers that we can name. And seeing you every day not only inspires us, but also drives us. So this great veteran at age 99 is also in great shape. And joining us tonight on the Rita Cosby Show as we discuss military heroism and leadership is a fantastic historian who has written his 75th book about a true American hero, our 26th president, Theodore Roosevelt, a politician, a statesman, a heroic soldier, a conservationist, a writer, and so much more. And you will learn about him in a very up-close and personal way. You will hear about T.R. like never before. The acclaimed author, Rick Marshall has written the most interesting American personal encounters, quotations and firsthand impressions of Theodore Roosevelt. And joining us now here on the show is Rick Marshall. Rick, great to have you here. Great to be with you, Rita. How are you? I'm doing well. You know, this is, though, however, such a troubling time. We see what's going on in the world, uh, the war on Israel, the fight, it seems like, for their survival What lessons can we learn, first of all, from your book? Because you wrote a powerful story. You got to know T.R. in such a deeply personal way, whether it was through newspaper clippings and talking to individuals. You did a lot of research. How can we apply this and and take his great leadership and apply it to today? Well, he was a man for the ages, for the American ages. But it's my third book on Roosevelt. But I realized that I own more than 500 books about him that have been done in the last century, but none has been done this way. It's it's um, just other people's impressions of him, uh, newspaper clippings, uh, diary entries, how he affected people. And for all his popularity, there had to be a reason, and we've lost that today. There are only a few movies and a uh, few sound recordings, and basically we just take history's word for it about why he was so popular and uh, influential. Um, And what I did was just collect the reasons with 500 or so quotations of how he impressed people and what he was like as a person. And boy, do we need it today, just the force of his personality and the qualities of leadership in a president. Um, That's what I wanted to get across, not dreaming the week of its release, we'd have this crisis, but we need it all the time today. There's a great story, too. Tell us about how you think Theodore Roosevelt would handle this moment in history. Well, it's uh, 
1904, when the Republican convention was on uh, the uh, that renominated him, with all the distractions, um, an Arab uh, sheikh kidnapped an American citizen, a Greek origin, Petacaris was his name, in Morocco, and held him for ransom. Uh, Roosevelt sent Marines, uh, and he just issued the, the, the statement. Uh, Raisuli was the name of the sultan, and he just issued the statement saying, Petacaris alive or Raisuli dead. Wow. And, you know, the world knew, Raisuli knew, the government knew. That's all it took. He was released, no bloodshed, no shots fired. And people knew, even though we were new on the world stage, Roosevelt helped us get into the 20th century, the American century. But that, that firmness and people knew he was not kidding. You know, you also share some interesting stories because, uh, as you know, Roosevelt had so many layers to him and to his life. He really is such a remarkable and inspiring American. Uh, also, uh, NYPD commissioner. Uh, we know he was also governor. Um, but there's a story as we're battling anti-Semitism, which is, boy, so current right now, given what's happening in the Middle East. But there's an interesting way of how he handled that, Rick Marshall. Well, it's one of the great Roosevelt stories. Uh, there was a, a, a guy named Herman Alwart who was coming to New York who wanted to foment anti-Semitism. Uh, and uh, th- that decade was the greatest decade of um, immigration. Uh, New York was teeming with immigrants, a lot of them Jews. And uh, uh, the Jewish community pleaded with Roosevelt as police commissioner to deny him the right to speak. And Roosevelt said, no, we have free speech in this country. I'm not going to do that. But what he did do, <laughs> very clever, he uh, recruited, he asked uh, a couple of uh, Jewish policemen to find the most, uh, if it sounds polite, uh, Jewish-looking cops on the force, and there were about 40 or 50 of them recruited, and they wound up at the Speaker's Hall, a phalanx of them, to uh, protect, to keep order at the meeting. And people knew what was going on, and it was a brilliant move, and it completely took the air out of that um, nascent uh, uh, anti-Semitic crusade. The guy with the tail between his legs went back to Europe, and nothing came of that. Wow. Uh, what a great, great story. Now, listen, everybody, we are talking to Rick Marshall, who is the author of a powerful new book, his 75th book, uh, his third on Roosevelt, The Most Interesting American. By the way, also, I know you are going to be doing an amazing event at Long Island University. Uh, I'm so thrilled. October 18th at LIU Post. That's in Brookville, New York, uh, Long Island's North Shore. An incredible just location at the Roosevelt School at LIU, which is, I know you haven't been there yet. It is going to be breathtaking. You're going to love it. You know, Roosevelt is so much a part, of course, because um, when he died, uh, Sagamore Hill, there's such a connection. Talk about the connection for our listeners all over the country. Why it's also, especially so many New Yorkers who listen and his ties to New York and also uh, he was born there, but you're also a New Yorker too, right? I was born in Queens. My dad went to LIU, and uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's like the planets are aligning. So LIU is co-sponsoring. So is uh, the bookstore Theodore's Books in Oyster Bay. And um, so it's all coming together. But Roosevelt's ancestors, uh, 
arrived in Manhattan in the 1600s, uh, just poor immigrants. Uh, they got, uh, they, they became, you know, active in real estate and importing and all like that. So he was one of the, one of the blue bloods through the generations as, as it came to be. But uh, as everyone knows about him, it's in the book whole chapter. Uh, he was also a rough and tumble cowboy. Went out and owned a couple cattle ranches, and that, that was uh, part of his persona too. You know, Rick Marshall, too, what I love is through all these conversations, you had people who got to know him well. You had people, um, I think, who met him just for a few minutes at random. He was many layers and also loved children. Talk about, on you know, on the public face of Theodore Roosevelt, we saw this tough leader as you've shared these stories. But behind the scenes, he would talk to kids, right, and like talk about uh, go on camping trips, share ghost stories. I love these layers that you're exposing and, and bringing to life. I'll tell you, Rita, one joy in doing the book was to be able to bring things to life that have not been in the standard biographies of him. Uh, all in here is how tall he was and what he ate for breakfast and uh, um, uh, a lot of that stuff about what he was what he was like as a person that a lot of people have forgotten through the years. And I, I tried to uh, to save that, but not only did he love kids and go on camping trips and tell ghost stories, but there are many stories, and they're in the book, that when four o'clock would come in the Oval Office, it wasn't an Oval Office yet, but in 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 the White House, no matter who he was meeting with, senators, ambassadors, anyone, when four o'clock came, it was time to rumble with the boys, and he excused himself. And he would go in pillow fights or play tag out in the White House grounds or whatever. He was, well, his uh, a British, uh, the British ambassador once looked at another ambassador and said, you must remember, the president is about six. <laughs> That's a great story. And speaking of kids, all right, let, let's get to this. You love Theodore Roosevelt so much, Rick Marshall. You've had a, a story career, of course, as a political cartoonist, newspaper columnist. You've written tons of books. Uh, I think Johann Sebastian Bach, uh, you know, country music. But you actually, is this right? You named your son Theodore. What, what drew you so much, you personally, to the great Theodore Roosevelt? Well, uh, Roosevelt was my hero since childhood, uh, my childhood, not his, I'm not that old. Um, but I always, I mean, I just started to collect and study, and every birthday of Roosevelt's, I would go to his birthplace in Manhattan, and every uh, uh, January 6th, I'd go to his grave in, in Oyster Bay. And I just knew I would name my uh, son uh, Theodore uh, in his honor, and uh I like when people do that. If they honor someone in history or their family, um, keep that bloodline going and uh, teach the kids about that person that you honor. And, you know, there's hardly anyone more um, worthy of being uh, remembered in America than uh, Theodore Roosevelt, all that he did. Absolutely. Well, everybody, uh, please be sure, first of all, to get this amazing book. The book is called The Most Interesting American, Personal Encounters, Quotations, and Firsthand Impressions of Theodore Roosevelt, uh, written by the great Rick Marshall. And also, everybody, I know we have so many great listeners, of course, in New York, and many of you there in Long Island, 
next week, October 18th at LIU Post, the beautiful Long Island University. You're going to love the campus out there, Brookville on Long Island's North Shore. Rick will be doing a talk. It's at 7 o'clock. And then there's Q&A. Lots of great. You can tell there's so many great stories. That's going to go on for hours, Rick, because there's so many great stories you have. And also you can get one of the books, get it autographed by Rick personally. Um, it is fantastic. Everybody go to Theodore's Books, Theodore's with an S on it, theodoresbooks.com. you got to register. It is free, everybody. And this is a real, real treat. Click on Author Events Forum, and you'll see they're on October 18th next week, Long Island University in Long Island, and get to meet this great author up close and get to know Theodore Roosevelt up close like never before. Thank you so much, Rick. It's so awesome to have you here. And thank you for shining a light on this great American and all you do. And and give your son, Theodore, a big hug from us, too. I will do that. Really, you're the best. Thank you very much. God bless you. What a great conversation. I so love talking to you, Rick. Thanks so much. And everybody, check out Theodore'sBooks.com to go meet this great author and learn more about this great American. When we come back, we're going to take your calls. What do you make of the Biden leadership? What do you make of the situation, of course, in Israel? New reports, by the way, just coming in in the last few minutes. Hamas telling Palestinians not to evacuate as Israel is telling the U.N. to evacuate the northern Gaza Strip within 24 hours as a ground invasion sounds imminent. We're going to take your calls when we come back. 1-800-848-9222. And you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show. Breaking news. And tonight on the Rita Cosby Show, again, we're just coming in that Israel is telling the United Nations to evacuate their workers and others from the northern Gaza Strip, saying that they have 24 hours, certainly a sign that it looks like the ground incursion, the ground invasion by Israel is about to get underway. Uh, Hamas, meantime, sending a separate message, of course, to their people, telling Palestinians not to evacuate, saying stay. Uh, and, of course, this all comes with tomorrow a proclamation by the leader of Hamas saying that he wants to see a day of anger, a day of global jihad on Friday the 13th, which is very chilling making the NYPD and security forces across this country, across the world, uh, on heightened alert, on standby, preparing just to be safe. They say there is no, quote, credible threat, uh, but they want to be safe, obviously, then sorry. So we are seeing extra security. In fact, a number of synagogues and Jewish schools and centers are closed just as a precaution as this war is certainly intensifying, as are the threats. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Neil on line one. Uh, Neil, uh, your thoughts about what's going on now? Well, it's uh, what a difference a week makes. And, um, you know, since the terrorists like to 
they like to uh, broadcast their um, malfeasance. Uh, I hope this is not the storm before the storm because it's not like they, they you know, everything gets quiet and then they, they hit. They like to uh, um, pile on and pile on like the embassies before on 9-11 and stuff like that. I just want to get to this one thing real quick because there's other people, I'm sure. You know, I did see a web a money making website say that you know they're taking advantage of this Friday the thirteenth because it may have uh, some uh, connection to uh, fears of people and uh, you know Halloween, the movie Halloween or whatever, or Friday the World, Friday the thirteenth. But um, I think there's more significance that it's AOC's birthday. Ah, there you go. There you go. And, and uh, by the way, uh, her and other members of the squad. Uh, certainly, uh, have not done, uh, you know, enough by any means to rectify some of the early comments that they've made and some of them continue to make, uh, putting Hamas on the same level as Israel, uh, not calling them terrorists, not condemning their actions, uh, going after Israel. Some of the comments from some of those members of the squad have been just so downright, I think, vile and disgusting. And we've also heard from a number of members of Congress uh, on the Republican side saying that people like Ilhan Omar and others are, quote, unfit to serve and shouldn't be in Congress. I actually agree with him, uh, including Congressman Mike Lawler is one of the ones spearheading that. I 100 percent agree with him. Uh, those are people you elect to Congress. Uh, those are their values. That is absolutely frightening and chilling. And especially as we're hearing these crazy threats coming about um, it's just it's it's really scary stuff, and I just think people need to be safe tomorrow. Uh, and I, I hate to scare people, but I don't think you should be in large gatherings. I think you should just be very careful uh, because these people are fanatics. They are terrorists, um, and they are not afraid to die. And these people have clearly shown what they have done to the Israeli population. Um, and uh, it's just, you know, it, it's scary stuff ahead, and we have to eradicate them. I agree with Israel. I agree with Netanyahu saying you must obliterate evil. Let's go to Norm, line two. Norm, your thoughts. Thanks for waiting so long. We've had so many calls tonight. No worries, Rita. Um, listen, I think what the British said, keep keep calm and uh, keep calm and carry on. That's uh, my position on that. Um, anyway, uh, there was a, a pro-Hamas rally at my alma mater, Brooklyn College, today. Oh, no. And, what And, and, yeah, what, uh, yeah. and I, concerning this. Yeah, concerning that, the the pro-Hamas rallies invading our college campuses are being financed by that great destroyer, George Soros, and supported by the majority present Democrats through their silence, mostly through their silence. And, um, you know, just that's I just felt like saying that tonight. Yeah, and, you know um, what? You're, you're right. Uh, the silence speaks volumes, Norm, and people, good people need to stand up. Uh, and say, enough, this cannot be tolerated, this rhetoric. Some of the actions that we have also seen are just downright frightening. Anybody, and there was one person, we, we played it at the beginning of the show, this guy who's cheering, saying, salute to Hamas, a job well done. Uh, what kind of a human being would ever salute some group that is slaughtering women and babies? Uh, I mean, it's unconscionable. It is shocking the conscience, and I think, sadly, this is just the beginning. Evil needs to be obliterated. And if Israel doesn't do it now, Hamas is going to come back and they're going to come back even stronger. So they have to come back at this point and go into Gaza 
as it looks like they're about to do any day now and obliterate them, uh, the infrastructure, uh, the funding, anything they can. And, of course, try to get the hostages out, too, because we are certainly praying for them tonight, including American hostages that are in Hamas hands. Uh, Let's go to Liam in Houston. Liam, your thoughts. Okay, Rita, I'm going to make this quick. I'm a travel agent. I've been working nonstop this week getting Americans out of Israel. And it's not just the Americans living in Israel. It's it's the Americans that went for a vacation for their for the Jewish holidays. I find it absolutely appalling that the American government took this long to to give to get that um, get them evacuated with these flights. Now these flights are not to America. They're not bringing them home. They're bringing them to either Cyprus, Athens, or Frankfurt. And you know what? I find it disgraceful that we can tell illegal aliens when they cross over the border, where do you want to fly to? We'll send you out from Texas and we'll fly you anywhere. We'll pay for your flight. And sometimes they even chart in the dead of the night like they did. You know, Liam, you bring up a great point. They're getting flights and we can't get Americans out. Bravo to you. You got to call back again, Liam. What a powerful call. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network.